Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. The understanding scripture is our today's uh, topic, and I feel like this is something that everyone wants to talk about, and as yeah. funny as it is, uh, less than 9% of uh, Christians actually read the Bible, mm. um, which is a really daunting statistic um, to know that people want to hear about Scripture so much but aren't willing to look at it themselves. Yeah. And so I've, I've really have been praying that after today that um, those of us who listen to our message today feel kind of inspired and just more of like a really just like a new conviction of reading the word of God yourself. Um, We, we rely way too heavily on YouTubers and podcasters to tell us what, (laughs) what is biblical and theological. And that's a really dangerous position to be in um, because you, you really don't know if it's what they're saying is true or not. Um, And so, uh, Jumping in, I always think that's funny when preachers say, like, we're going to just dive on Yeah, in. we're just going to dive in and get Jumping ready. into today's <laughs> message. Um, we're going to start off with some basic Bible questions. I feel like um, these are really, really basic questions that people ask. But I, I wanted to start off with this to kind of give us, like, in a practical sense, understanding of the Bible. And so first off is the question of practically, what is the Bible? When I first, mm-hmm. um, growing up, I didn't know what the Bible was. I knew it was, a, like, a holy book, you know, but I didn't know. I thought it was just one book, like, the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first opened a Bible... Uh, I remember the first time scripture was ever really presented to me was when I was a junior in high school and there was like a reading lesson on uh, the book of like the first couple chapters of Genesis. Mm. And I was like, what is Genesis? Um, And and I remember the teacher's like, you don't know what Genesis is? Like, that's like uh, the Bible. It's the first book of the Bible. I was like, there's what do you mean book in the Bible? It didn't make Mm. sense. And so the Bible is actually a compilation of 66 books from about 40 different authors, some of which are named and some are unnamed. Um, another an interesting thing about the Bible is that it's whenever you hear the word prophetic, it means like kind of like an ooga booga moment. It means mm-hmm. that it's special. It, it's um, it's almost insight. like it, it's insight on the future and there's uh, insight into something deeper. Mm-hmm. And one of the most prophetic books of the Bible is the book of Isaiah. And coincidentally, it has 66 chapters and there's 66 books in the Bible. Wow. Um, I won't get into the compilation of those books and, um, you know, the choosing of those books, but... Um, the Torah is mainly comp- the Old Testament, which is what Jewish people um, follow. And the New Testament is what completes our Holy Bible to the Christian faith. So the Old Testament, New Testament. Um, the Old Testament has 929 chapters. The New Testament has 260. Um, the Bible was written in three major languages. That's Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And Uh, It was written across three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. Um, And while it took over a thousand years to write the Old Testament, the New Testament was written within a period of 50 to 75 years, um, from 1400 BC to about 100 AD. And uh, all of this was written over 40 generations of of, uh, people. And so... That's kind of like the 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 brass tacks to yeah, the Bible. Um, one really interesting thing about Scripture that I always found fascinating is that 
um, people often, uh, I feel like more progressive Christianity says, well, we only need the New Testament. We don't need the Old Testament. And the Old Testament is way old. That's why it's called the Old Testament. We only need to focus on the New. And when you look at just like the chapters, for example, 929 chapters in the Old Testament, 260 in the New. The, the New Testament is literally a quarter the size of the Old. And the Old Testament was written over a thousand years, and the New Testament was written really within one lifetime, um, 50 to 75. And both are extremely valuable. And, and the Old Testament complements the New. It's a foreshadowing of the New Testament. In fact, it, it helps give so much clearer, in-depth insight to the New Testament only when you read the Old. Mm-hmm. For example, in Psalm 22, it, it's written, uh, the, ver- the verse is written that uh, where Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says that in the Gospels, but he was actually quoting Psalm 22. And it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's all that Jesus says. The Psalm goes on to say, that they have pierced my hands and my feet. My tongue clings to my mouth. My son, my skin is like sun-baked clay. And it's literally describing a crucifixion. And that was written over a thousand years before the form of crucifixion was ever invented. I mean, the, the opening verse is saying, they have pierced my hands and my feet. And it was a thousand years before the crucifixion was ever invented. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a prophetic verse about the Messiah, how Jesus would die. And so it makes it, I mean, when I first read Jesus say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I was like, man, he's really bummed out right now. But he was actually, even on the cross, even in death, he was leading people to see prophecy fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, it's, it's incredibly valuable to, to take both the old and new Testament together mm-hmm. um, as a whole book. Now, uh, and another interesting thing about how there it was 66 books written by over 40 different authors. And to, to know that, I mean, even when you just have different stories <laughs> told by, it's like, just look at the Star Wars saga. And just from when it went to Lucasfilms to Disney, it's like the story got all messed up. And to where there's talks of them wanting to redo the Star Wars saga altogether. Wow. I mean... That's just like right now with modern technology, and it just seems like the story's all messed up. Look at DC. I mean, they butchered that story. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and here we have over thousands of, thousands of years of, of historical accounts and people telling a story that all coincides together, that, that all reflects the, the, same, the same passion of God, the same heart of God, and it doesn't contradict it itself. And to, I mean, it doesn't happen. Something like that with over 40 different authors doesn't happen over the course of thousands of years unless it wasn't divinely inspired. I mean, just play that game telephone when you're a kid. You can't mm. even make it to the end of the line without the story True. becoming different. Mm. Um, and so going on, is the Bible historically accurate? Okay, we've mm. wondered that, right? It's just, right. It's just fairy tales, right? It's just yeah. like, it's pretty much like Greek mythology. Mm. It's all just made up, just fancy uh, stories that they told to their kids. You know, it wasn't accurate at all. Well, actually, um, there, was several, there were several historic, secular historical, uh, sorry, let me start over. There were several secular historians. Secular means just like worldly, not spiritual, not religious. Mm -hmm. There's several secular historians who wrote about the events of the New Testament at the same time that the Bible was written. 
coinciding with the Bible, complete, just history being written. Josephus is the most well-known of them. He was a Jewish historian. Tac, uh, Tacitus was a Roman historian who would have no benefit from telling the truth, uh, from not telling the truth. He would have no benefit from not telling the truth. Both these men, as well as others, can be used to back up the historical accuracy of the Bible. There are also historical discoveries regularly coming to light that continue to support the accuracy of the Bible. Merrill Unger, who compiled a Bible dictionary, wrote, Old Testament archaeology has rediscovered whole nations, resurrected important peoples, and in a most astonishing manner filled in historical gaps, adding immeasurably to the knowledge of biblical backgrounds. So the Bible has literally been a resource to, to secular archaeology, secular history of finding out nations and peoples that, that were never mentioned anywhere else that, that were found, but have been found because of the Bible. Um, we have over 10,000 fragments from which we compile and verify the accuracy of the Bible, which is thousands more than Homer or Aristotle's work. All of these manuscripts, fragments, scrolls, and parchments have been checked and double-checked for mismatches, known as variants, and have been uh, in our and most are a letter turned around or minor things that do not change the meaning of the story at all. So the only difference is, is uh, letters turned around, not like maybe l l dyslexia here or there, but all these t out of ten over 10,000 fragments of scripture used to compile the Bible. So it's not that, and these aren't just like in a locked up safe that no one can see, only certain people can see it and they're just forming this huge conspiracy to keep people suppressed by religion. No, this is actually available to the world. And so all of these fragments are used to compile the scripture and it's thousands more, uh, thousand more, thousands of more fragments and, and scriptures and, and parchments more than anything else that is taught like regularly, like the, the writings of Homer or Aristotle. And we have thousands more than that. And yet we give more backing to the, uh, sometimes seculars give more backing to uh, the, these writings instead of the Bible because of just animosity. It's not even accurate. And then finally, historians support parts of the Bible, like really big parts. We have more evidence for Jesus than we have for almost anybody from Jesus' time period, said a UNC professor of religious studies, Bart Ehrman, who is a historian, a scholar, and an agnostic. Wow. Jesus, there's more evidence of Jesus than anybody else in his time. Think about that. It's incredibly, incredibly accurate. Um, and so final question on this is, what's the difference between all the versions? So we talk kind of like about the history and things like that. What about the difference between all the different versions? I mean, what happened? I thought it was just the old King James version. I didn't know that there was any other versions until I really got in, in deep with, yeah. the, with the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know what an old King James version meant. Yeah. I, it was just, I, it was so confusing to me. So anyway... The two main differences is a translation and a version. A translation is a formal equivalence, meaning more of like a word-for-word -word translation that gives priority to what the original language says and how it says it, and it aims to be a literal translation. A version is a dynamic equivalence, meaning that it's giving more thought-for-thought -thought instead of word-for-word. -word. It's a thought-for-thought -thought translation giving priority to what the text it means and it aims to make the text a readable 
uh, for readable for modern audiences possible, as readable for modern audiences possible. And so, uh, I I personally have uh, I usually read a different translation or version every year. And for the first like four years, I found out something really incredible is that they all sound the same. Um, there's there's minor differences, but they all say the exact same thing. And I went as far to even read the message version, which is the most scrutinized version because it really paraphrases scripture. And I found that it gave an even more in-depth look to what scripture meant. And at the end of the day, it said the same thing. It was yeah. really powerful. Yeah. Um, and so just to give some a couple to give you an idea... Um, there's a there's a belief out there that the old King James version is the only accurate version to use. Um, it's crazy. It's yeah. really insane. There's a there's a group of people called, like the old King James uh, activists, um, and they they strongly believe that there is no other version that the every other version is literally lies of the devil is what they claim. Um, and so just to give some backing, the King James version was first published in 1611, and it was actually a political publishment by the king. So imagine Trump saying, I've, uh, don't worry, guys, I'm going to get all of the scriptures from the church, and I'm going to translate them for you and tell you what they say. Mm. Okay, so great. Let's trust the political figure to translate the Bible for us. That's yeah. a great idea. Um, it was first published in 1611, and it was only revised once, which is the New King James Version. Mm. Um, the reason that it hasn't been revised more is because new translations were just created. Because many manuscripts of biblical books have been discovered in recent centuries, which are older than those that were used uh, that older than those which had been available to the translators of the King James Version in 1611. Comparisons of the text in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek have found differences among the copies. Certain verses and texts are not included in the most newer translated Bibles because those simply were not in the older texts. Whenever you're translating text, the older text is considered the original, while the newer text would be copied from the original. And so the reason that the old King James wasn't updated after the new King James is because there was so much newer text found that there was new translations and versions created on the new text that was actually the older text. And so, and whenever you see like, uh, well, people would say, well, the uh, in those newer versions, there's these verses aren't included, or this scripture it doesn't say it says hell way less than this. <laughs> it says hell uh, like 112 less times than in the old King James mm -hmm. version because there's actually three three specific words in in Hebrew and Greek that were used for hell, mm -hmm. and it's Hades. Um, the other one was Hades uh, Shelo or Shelo. Sh like that. You said the other day. I did it at a talk the other day. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, my, it escapes my memory. Um, and then the, the final place was Gehenna. Mm -hmm. um, and these three different uh, places that were in the Old King James were all translated to hell have different meaning. And so the Old King James just said hell, hell, hell when one was, each one was talking about something different. And so that's why it doesn't say hell as many times because not every time it's talking about just the lake of fire. It's talking mm -hmm. about something else. It's talking about like the grave. It was talking about um, like the holding place of death. It wasn't talking about H-E double hockey stick. Yeah. Um, and so 
that I feel like it's really important to understand that when choosing your version that you're trying to read. Um, so other popular ones is the English Standard Version, which is one of the most recently updated versions. It was first published in 1952, but last updated in 2016. And in that update, they said they, that they feel like they have they believe that they have compiled the most accurate version of it and that it will now no longer be updated um, here on out. And so that is a really popular one that most people ref, uh, go to as an alternative to the Old King James. Um, there's also the New International Version that was first published in 1978, updated in 2011. New Living Translation, my personal favorite, as date first published was 1996, updated 2004, 2007. And just for fun, the New American Standard Bible date first published was 1963, updated in 1995. And so that is really some brass tacks for scripture. Mm -hmm. Lauren, before we move on, is there anything you want to say, mm -hmm. add comments on? Yeah, I mean, that was some good Bible 101. Um, <laughs> Homer's really good at bringing just some of the facts that we need to know. Some like hard facts. Yeah, some of those hard facts, you know, about... Because um, the truth is, is like, as when, when we think about the Bible, when we start to explore the Bible, like... Like, it seems simple, like, oh, let me just get a Bible. But there is a lot of details that are important to really know, to kind of understand where it came from. And, and what I find interesting is that, um, like you were kind of mentioning, is like with the Bible, that's like the one book out of all the books you've read in your life, out of all the books we've read in your life, that we really like, okay, but wait a second. Like, who wrote it? Is it contra? I've heard that it contradicts like each other, like all the different Yeah, like books. how many times has evolution contradicted itself or modern science gone against itself? <laughs> Yeah, right. And so <laughs> you don't see people freaking out over that. They yeah. just said it, Earth isn't billions of years old. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't no, mean yeah, no, it's okay, babe. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, so now, um, so my point is, is with the sorry. Bible, it's like the one book that that Christian or not, they're like, okay, but like I've heard this about it, or like the Bible's this, or like who even wrote it, and like they say it's from God, but it's not, like it, or it, okay, I'm going on a tangent, but my point is, is is why are we so easily willing to question the Bible out of all the books in the world? But even as simple as going to school, like whether you want to read your history book or not, you read it. And have you ever sat there and like, I bet they're lying. Like, you know, like, oh, this whole like, yeah, right. Like, I bet they were lie. They were like, they were all possessed and weird. And they're just like making me like think weird stuff and trying to brainwash me. Yeah. Like, no, or like your biology book, you know, you don't just sit there and be like, who wrote it? Let me Google him. Is he on or like, is he off? Like, he's kind of yeah. weird, you know? Like, I don't trust this miss. I don't want to read this biology book because this guy's off. Like, he's weird. <laughs> I know that sounds silly, but do you ever question those books or do you go to Barnes and Nobles? You're like, oh, okay, I'm seeking, you know, a good self help book. Ooh, that one, I like that title. I'm going to get it, take it home. I'm going to read the whole thing. Apply it to my life. <laughs> yeah. And do, you, do we ever look at that book and say, okay, let me see who the Arthur's from? Sometimes you do. That's good, you know? But so many times, like, we, we, we get ourselves into different readings and books and yeah. even those fictional things. If you're into reading, cool. If you enjoy a good fictional book, cool. But have we ever questioned it? Have we ever second thought who the person is and really thought about like, how is this going to affect my life? I'm almost sure most times we don't. But the Bible, the one thing that is God speaking to us, the very words from God's heart, um, as we're, you know, Christians are, are wanting to know about God, this is the book to go to. And yeah. yet we're like, but hold up, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, so I just find that so interesting. Um, but I think that um, if you have questions, seek the answers. Like yeah. Homer said, don't go on YouTube, some weird <laughs> juju out there. There really is. But Psychos. find some good, credible um 
information, just like some of the stuff Homer shared. It's just the brass tacks to give you understanding. And especially the last point he had is really understanding, like learning about the different translations. And when you're beginning to read the Bible, I do think it's very important to read a translation that you're comfortable with. You know, there's tons of them. Yeah. Um, he named a few, and there's one even called the Amplified one. It really, like, makes it even more detailed, but in a way where, like, oh, it gives you more understanding. You know, there's study Bibles. There's all kinds of different versions and translations. Yeah. Um, but it really does help. Like, for me, when I first started reading the Bible, um, it was hard for me to get into the New King James or old whatever, whoever James was, right? <laughs> and um, and I was like, well, you know, I asked a friend, like, this is like, I want to read it, but I don't get it. And so like, oh, try out the NLT. And I love it because when I read it, it's like, that's how I talk and I get it. So don't feel trapped in a certain translation that maybe your sweet grandma gave you. That's great. <laughs> Cherish that Bible. Like, keep it and read it if you want. But my point is, is you don't have to feel stuck in that kind of like... Um, it, you don't have to feel stuck. Find yeah. a translation or version that really speaks to you so that you can read the Bible and understand it yourself. And so, yeah, those are some thoughts I had. Yeah, I, I really like what you're saying. I, I really love how you pointed out like how no one ever questions anyone else, yeah. only the Bible. Like whenever you question the different authors of your your textbook at yeah. college. Yeah. I, oh, my favorite one is when people are accusing, well, wasn't the Bible written by man? It's like, well, what the heck was your textbook written by yeah. an angel? Like, why do you believe that even more? That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And they've changed it more times than the Bible's ever been changed. So it doesn't make any That's sense. That's true, like every year. Um, and so, uh, and if I could be honest, I really don't know what brass tax means. I, oh, well, I, it just sounds like it makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah. I just got to be honest about yeah. that. <laughs> Thank um, and so going on to our second point is that the interpretation of Scripture must be both spiritual and practical. Mm -hmm. The interpretation of Scripture must be spiritual and practical. Um, in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Pretty mm. serious verse, right? Yeah. Well, notice the connotation that says it cuts between our soul and spirit and between our joint and marrow. It's talking about it cuts between that spiritual world and the practical one. And so it gives application to both spiritual and practical use. Yeah. Um, in order to really interpret it that way, it requires a general understanding of the intention of the scripture that you're reading. Okay, so say you start reading the Bible, you're like, I'm going to finally do it. Mm. You know, I've been, I've been on unemployment for so long now, oh and gosh. I haven't done anything. I've just been watching Netflix. I know everything about Narcos, but I don't know anything about the Bible. Oh my gosh. And, yeah, and it's your time to shine, okay? Yeah. And all, when, when you say you start reading, you get a good NLT Bible. Hey, you get a message version. You don't mm. freaking care. You're just going at it. You want to understand what you're reading. Mm -hmm. And you start reading and you get to the scripture and you're like, what the freak was that? Mm. And it's important to really understand the intention of the scripture that you're reading. Mm. The intention of the scripture that you're reading. And what this implies is that you can have a perspective of scripture that somebody else would have a different perspective of. In order to us for us to like really narrow these perspectives to where it's not just like I don't know we get like hundreds of different denominations so that that doesn't happen which mm -hmm. is you know that was a joke. Yeah. Um we have to look at the intention of each scripture being um uh, written. And I'm I'm going to use the Bible to confirm this idea 
of multiple perspectives being derived from the same scripture. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 26, it says, One day as an, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why would a religious leader that studies scripture ask Jesus what he must do to inherit in eternal life if he also reads the same exact scripture? Mm -hmm. It's because he's asking him his interpretation of that scripture. How do you, from your readings of the scripture, how should I inter inherit eternal life? And Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Implying an interpretation, mm -hmm. meaning that you can have more than one perspective from your interpretation. How do you read it? And here Jesus is showing us that not everything is actually black and white. There's a lot of things that are black and white. There's very clear moral standards. A, a lot of things about, uh, uh, about stuff that people say are uh, is gray area that is not a gray area. It's black and white. Mm -hmm. But there is an incredible amount of gray areas that some people claim to be black and white. And, and some things just simply require interpretation that... that uh, that can lead to some to different opinions. And so some things that you need to ask yourself is who is the writer? Who is the person? Who is the person talking? Who is the person talking to? Is he talking to somebody that's accusing him? Is he defending himself? Is he talking to a church? Is he talking to an individual? Is he talking to a Christian? Is he talking to a Jew? Is he talking to a sinner? Is he or she talking to blank, blank, blank? Y'all get what I'm saying? And then what is he talking about what, at the time and is it meant to be applied to right now? Mm. What is he talking to about the time and is it meant to be applied to right now? What is the writer's point or goal in sharing what is being said? These are really important questions that you should look to try to answer when you're feeling confused or just like stuck on a scripture like, what does this mean? And you're trying to interpret it for yourself. You need to ask yourself these kinds of questions. Um, the other thing that's required when interpreting scripture is re it requires a general understanding of genre of each scripture. You can, be you can be led to believe in contradictions or really bad doctrine out of ignorance because every book has a certain tone and direction to it. And so I'll give you an example. And uh, some people say that no matter what book you're reading in the Bible, no matter what scripture you're reading in the Bible, it's all to be taken literal. It shouldn't be taken figuratively. It's all literal, so take it literal. It sounds like you're taking a really serious tone with the Bible. Like, man, this person's really serious with the Bible. And, like, I, that just sounds intense. And at first glance, it sounds like you're taking your faith more serious. But in essence, what you're really doing is you're in the shallow waters of Scripture. And there's a lot more dive-deeping you can do. And it's actually a pursuit of Scripture to understand deeper meanings rather than to say, stay in the shallow understanding of just face value. And so... I'll give a, a really good example. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 through 30, it says, So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, has caused you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Jesus said this, right? So if there's any time the letters are in red, that means Jesus is talking. And so if we were to just take the, this idea 
that everything is literal, that, that it's, well, that's what the Bible says. So we need to do it. It says that women shouldn't talk in church right here. It's, it's literal. That's the way we should do it. We shouldn't take any more depth. Just take it at face value. Women shouldn't even really be allowed to vote if we get it like that. Um, if we were to do that, then that would mean this scripture would need to be taken literal too, guys. Um, and so if this scripture was meant to be literal, then the verse would really imply and make the entire church half blind and handicapped mm. because who has not lusted in their heart? Who, who has not done evil with their hand? You know, it, it is a fact that every person is sinned. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is giving a, a, an, an, just a, a figurative idea of how important the sin is of the heart. He's saying even if you're it, before it was just like if only if you did it was it sin. It's not uh, if you're just talking to that side chick. It's not adultery. It's <laughs> it, but here he's saying no. It's adultery in your heart. Yeah. So that it, it, again, what I'm getting at is that not everything is literal. You have to understand the genre and the tone and the direction and the implication of scripture. And so. Um, the Bible was, the Bible is written to be taken as a whole, not bits and pieces. It also is to be received with intention of genre that it was written. Here are some, here are the different genres of the Bible to help understand. There's historical genres. There's, uh, there's law, where it talks all about uh, moral law, ceremonial laws, governmental laws. Um, there's books on, there's genres of wisdom. There's zo uh, genres on psalms, which is poetry, songs, and prayers. There's genre of prophecy, of apocalypse, of gospel accounts of Jesus. And then there's epistle letters. Uh, more specifically, epistle letters to specific churches, to specific leaders, and to specific people. Some of which is not meant to be taken as uh, when Paul's saying certain things to Timothy, he's not saying it universally as an absolute uh, universal law. Like when he tells Timothy, you should drink some wine for your stomach, he's talking specifically to Timothy with an ailment that he is having. It doesn't mean for us today that instead of taking Tums when our tummy hurts, that we should take wine every time. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's ludicrous when you really get at the idea that everything is just literal. You really need to take the tone that it was written. Another example would be in Psalms. There's certain Psalms that is written as a poem or as a prayer. And there's Psalms where David is being super transparent with his heart. And he says, God, I want you to kill my enemies and do not forgive their sins. In fact, kill their children too. That is not the heart of Jesus. Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And so if we were to read Psalm as a directional book, as a, as a book of of law or a book of wisdom, we're going to end up sounding really stupid when we're actually just reading a book of emotions, mm -hmm. the expression of one's heart to God. Um, and so I hope that makes a lot of, uh, more sense in understanding when, as you're trying to look for scripture. Uh, before I go on to more, Lauren, is there anything that you want to add? We just went over the intention of scripture. We went over genres. Um, anything that you want to add or comment to? Yeah, I mean, um, I think just going off of like what you're saying, it's so important for us um, when we're really like wanting to seek God, wanting to like know the truth. You know, all of us, especially nowadays, there's no truth to be found anywhere. So especially as Christians, I feel like in this time, we're really finally like it's shaking us a little bit to like what yeah. is truth? What does God say? And so with that heart, we have to be so careful 
to not just pick and choose what we want. Yeah. You really can't just get the Bible and just take it as an appetizer. Like, oh, I like this. You know, let me get the sampler platter. I don't like that one. I like this one. I like this, and we're good to go. Coffee mug quotes. Yeah, those. I had the coffee mug quotes. That's me. <laughs> but you know, we can't just pick and choose what we want. You know, we can't just listen to this and that, but not read the Bible. You know, we can't just listen to our favorite podcast, which is completely edifying for your soul. But if you're just picking and choosing what people say about the Bible, people's opinions, people's thoughts, but never really read the Bible yourself, then that that is a dangerous place to be because there's so the Bible has so much foundation for your faith. It is the foundation of your faith. But you can't build that foundation off of picking and choosing or listening to other people's opinion, if that makes sense, without really digging deep into the Bible. And so there's so much, you know, practical knowledge that you're sharing that kind of gives, because, you know, when you start reading the Bible, it's like, well, what are all these books? I've heard of the, even sometimes like, what's the Old Testament and the New Testament? Like, I didn't know yeah. that at the beginning. Like, those are simple questions that, you know, Christians have been around a while, like, oh, well, it's this and that, like, you know, and, but it's like, okay, well, I had no idea. So it's important to kind of gain that understanding, but not just pick and choose and just, just not really dig into it yourself. Yeah. And, um, uh, going off of that, I have my pregnant brain, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, really just, I just feel like that's just so important, you know? And, and I feel like too, sometimes as Christians, like, okay, yes, I want to read my Bible. And, you know, I'm being told like, I got to really get that foundation and like read it for myself. And sometimes we feel overwhelmed. Like, it's the Bible's a big book. Like I want to read it and I want to know it all, but it's going to take me time. And I feel like so unequipped because I don't know it yet. You can't feel like that though. That is not like the heart of God, wherever you're at in your journey, just start, you know, yeah. start where you're at and literally take it day by day. Cause remember though, it's so important to have that foundation of the word and understand it for yourself besides what you're hearing. And besides, you know, what sounds good, it's so important, but it's also remember it's a relationship with Jesus. You know, he doesn't want you getting so caught up that you're like, I just got to read it to know so I can have knowledge. And, and that's it where you get so caught up that you take your eyes off, off of the pleasures and freedom of being in a relationship with Jesus on a daily basis, if that makes sense, you know? So remember in your pursuit of knowledge of the God's word and your pursuit of understanding scripture, that that the relationship of Jesus should be the core of it should be yeah. the heart of your pursuit and sometimes you know um you can you, sometimes you really even when you have the right heart you can get off track because you get so hyper focused on like I just got to know it because I want to be a Christian who knows what I'm talking yeah. about that you forget like why are you doing it it's because you love Jesus and you want to have a relationship with yeah. him so I hope that makes sense but yeah. just don't forget the heart of it but know that it's dangerous to go to other sources or nitpick yeah. and it's so important to really read the Bible as a whole start where you're at but get that whole thing in your soul and your yeah. spirit um, not just your favorite book over and over like the Bible is packed with so much that all goes together into one story yeah you know and so yeah those are some thoughts I yeah have. that was beautiful and even as you're saying that I think about the scripture that says for the lack of knowledge my people perish mm -hmm. and when when reading through scripture it's just like you need to do it it's part of a relationship yes yeah. But it's like for the lack of knowledge, you, you won't know what's right in front of you. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like right now people are having a hunger for the word because they're like, I think this is the end times. Yeah, <laughs> is this? Like... You're like, I need to, let me, let me start watching church. Or, I've had a lot of people say they really want to start reading the Bible now. 
And I'm, it really comes across because they feel like it's the end times, but they don't know because they haven't read their Bible yet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I want to encourage you that an elephant is eaten one bite at a time. Mm. You can't eat an elephant all at once. True. And that's what I'm saying about Scripture. It, it takes roughly about 120 hours to read through the entire Bible. Think about that for a second. So that's not something you can do in a weekend. Yeah. That's not something you can do even uh, usually in a month. If you were to try to say, I'm going to read it all in one month, that would require four hours of day of nonstop reading. Uh, maybe Or maybe you could break it up to where four different increments of one hour. Or for like those ADD people like me, it'd be like the whole day, you know, yeah. so <laughs> for and a whole so, month. So to think about it like that to where if you, if, if you try to build a house without counting the cost, you're going to be discouraged. And so even though it's admirable to be zealous and say, I want to read through the whole Bible in a month, understand that's a really, really big commitment. Maybe start by saying this year, I'm going to get on a one year reading plan that only takes like 10 minutes a day. And I'm going to read through the entire Bible this year and, and start there. And uh, instead of trying to run a marathon when you bury, when you haven't put on your sneakers, the whole quarantine. Um, and so I hope that's helpful. Um, and finally, the, the last part on this point is that I really do believe that uh, people should have a general understanding of hermeneutics of, uh, for Scripture. Hermeneutics is, is pretty much um, a commonly practiced standard of interpreting Scripture. And there's eight laws of hermeneutics that I'll get to in a second. And as I'm saying this, I feel like people have uh, – a lot of people have developed a general understanding of this process by the phrase like, well, that was taken out of context. Like our news media has really helped us pro like understand that idea of hermeneutics, um, the simple rule of context. Uh, and it's the idea that you can't just pick one scripture and develop a whole belief system off yeah. of it. Um, that's in essence the heart of hermeneutics is to really, it's the deep diving of scripture to understand more so for developing doctrinal beliefs Okay, uh, I really don't believe that you need to understand the Hebrew meanings of all these words in order to develop your faith. Mm -hmm. I think most people really need to just put, I, I, I kind of discourage trying to find the Hebrew meanings of words for young believers because it's like you haven't even read through the whole Bible yet and you're trying to understand the word of what heaven means. Mm -hmm. Like just slow, like before you start, you know, diving deep, Go like get a perimeter of the pool first, okay? Like yeah. look around just get the a pool. Feel for it. Get yeah, in like at least go in the shallow end for a while first before you just start, you know, scuba diving. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about all the Hebrew meanings and all the the different, you know, deeper stuff until you've actually just read all the way through it. Yeah. Um, and so going in, let me just as just to help you guys out. Here are the eight laws of hermeneutics, and I'm gonna just blow through these. I'll yeah. try not to talk too much about them. Um, but first is the rule of definition. This means what does the word actually mean? Any study of scripture must begin with the study of words, defining your terms and then keeping them, those terms defined. Um, and so it's just what means what, uh, the rule of usage. It must be remembered that the old Testament was written originally by two and four Jews. The words and idioms must have been intelligible to them, just as the words of Christ when talking to them must have been. The majority of the New Testament likewise was written in the milieu of Greco-Roman, Greco um, and to a lesser extent of Jewish culture. And it is important to not impose our modern usage 
uh, into our interpretation. And so just to kind of break it down, a lot of the usage of terms is in Jewish customs. And it has, and when we try to put like American Western world ideas to it, we can get some really weird ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, and things that are just so backwards and just stupid. You end up sounding foolish when you do that. Um, and just, I, I, get, I tried not to talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. The rule of context. Every word you read must be understood in light of the words that come before it and after it. Mm. This is a big one that yeah. people like often don't do. Yeah. Just yeah. like read the whole like passage. Yeah. Don't read one tiny yeah. little verse. Mm-hmm. Um, the rule of historical background. The interpreter must have some awareness of the life and society of the times in which the scripture was written. The spiritual principle will be timeless, but often can't be properly appreciated without some knowledgeable uh, knowledge of the background. Okay, this one I have to speak for a second. Okay, okay. Um, I, I'll just coin this real quick. Mm-hmm. Going to the scripture where there's a scripture where Paul says to the Corinthian church, women should uh, should wear a head covering mm-hmm. and that is shameful for them to not have their head covered. Huh. Um and a lot of there's some like crazy doctrines out there that have led people to believe to where like you got to be that lady with the hat in church yeah. um, to show that you're covered. And in, in at that church of Corinth is actually a major port, port where um, there's pagan shrines and pagan temples. And often in paganism, there's a lot of orgies involved. Their temples involve just temple prostitutes. You, so sailors would go in and they'd get really religious, go to the temple and have sex with all the prostitutes there. And as a, a way to be identified as a prostitute was to have a shaved head as a woman. Crazy. Um, and so um, when Paul is saying it is shameful for you to not have your head covered, a lot of those prostitutes and temple priests, uh, those women, were coming to Christ and having a complete life turnaround. And yet they were still being identified by their past because they had their head shaved. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he was telling them to have their head covered. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes so much more sense. It, it really does. But it really does. we get that from the historical background. Yeah. Okay. So you can cut your hair if you like. Don't worry. <laughs> Janice, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> I just f- picture like a little bob. I just pictured an old southern good. lady with short hair yeah. named Janice. Oh, I don't yeah. know a Janice, but sounds sweet. Yeah. You're okay, Janice. <laughs> um, all right. The rule of logic interpretation is merely logical reasoning. When interpreting scripture, the use of reason is everywhere to be assumed. Does the interpretation make sense? The Bible was given to us in the form of human language and therefore appeals to human reason. It invites investigation. A really funny analogy is that there's a psychopath named Steve Anderson that is an old King James only uh, believer. And he believes because the old King James says in in certain scriptures uh, to define men, the old King James said, uh, one who pisseth against the wall. And so he has a whole belief system that men should never pee sitting down, and that's sinful, <laughs> because you have to pee while standing up. And and he says piss, like you have to piss against the wall. Yeah, it's pretty. Crazy. And um, and it's a belief system that is just really illogical. It was just defining a man like in that term, and he developed a really illogical belief system that's just silly and stupid. Yeah. And yet people follow him. It's crazy. Um, And so the rule of precedent. We must not violate the known usage of a word and invent another 
for which there is no precedent. Just as a judge's chief occupation is the study of previous cases, so must the interpreter use precedents in order to determine whether they really support an alleged doctrine. I got to step in one more time. I just feel like I'm hitting on these doctrines. For me, what I see here is the idea that women can't be leaders in the church. There's a, there's a, and uh, Timothy, Paul's talking to Timothy, and right when he's telling, building Timothy up, he's saying, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young, be an example, talk to the older men as, as uh, gently and humbly, talk to the women as you would your own sisters or mothers, and then he says, at one point, he says, and, and uh, uh, do not let a woman speak over you in church, don't let a woman speak out in church, they should remain quiet and, and, <laughs> and don't say anything. And at first glance, like, dang, he just went savage on women. Yeah. And, and there's a, a lot of belief systems and doctrines very popular that women are not allowed to be uh, uh, speakers or leaders or pastors uh, because of that one, that one moment, that one scripture. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, but when I read it, yeah. Paul is talking specifically to Timothy, a young new pastor mm-hmm. who's in charge of a church. And most of the converts are brand new believers in which a lot of them were actually uh, old priests from those temple prostitutes that they were the ones in charge. And when they transferred over their Christianity, I could very well see them talking over Timothy and trying to act like they know everything because Mm -hmm. they've been in the game a lot longer. They've been in the religious game for a lot longer than Mm -hmm. Timothy has. They know how it goes. And over uh, while he's trying to give a message, they're interrupting. It's not like churches today where it's one speaker. It's more of like a home and people are sitting around And if you've ever been like in any small group setting, there's a lot of people that steal the stage Mm -hmm. and start talking over the main speaker. And all of a sudden they're trying to give their own message. (laughs) And when I read that scripture, I see Paul telling Timothy, hey, don't be nice to them just because they're ladies. You don't let them speak over you. You are the one in charge. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. He says that in the same, the same book. Mm -hmm. And the reason I see it that way is because it's unprecedented for Paul to to take away any leadership from women because he gives women leadership time and time again. There's times where he addresses women before the men, giving them higher honor than the men. There's times where he... uh, where he uh, talks about women being deacons, which were leaders in the church. The whole Bible as a whole gives honor to women. In Joel, it says that that God will pour out his spirit on all flesh, that it it won't even be um, servant or master, that there will no no difference from male and female, but all will enter in to have his spirit poured out on him. He takes away the the divisions of gender, the divisions of uh, hierarchy, and even going all the way back to Deborah, she was uh, Deborah in the Old Testament was a judge, the legal person in charge of the time, and she was also the prophetess, the the highest spiritual honor at the time, as well as the highest practical uh, governing uh, person at the time. Mm-hmm. And so again, it's unprecedented that to take that and and say, oh well, women can't speak at all. Yeah. It, it's just uh, it's not taking the scripture as a whole. Um, the whole Bible to be interpreted together. So sorry, I had to no, get that Just one in there, you know. <laughs> Just be quiet, Lauren. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a joke. Yeah, it was a joke. Okay. <laughs> the rule of unity, the parts of Scripture being interpreted must be continued with reference to the significance of the whole. An interpretation must be consistent with the rest of Scripture, just like I shared right now. It has to all coincide together. It doesn't go against itself. You have to, it all has to run smoothly. 
The rule of inference is an inference is a fact reasonably implied from another fact. And as a logical consequence, it derives a conclusion from a given fact or premise. It is a deduction of one proposition from another proposition. Such infer, uh, inferential facts or propers, uh, propositions are sufficiently binding when their truth is established by competent and satisfactory evidence. So again, all this is saying, I feel like the major tone of hermeneutics is that it all has to be read together. Mm. And don't develop a weird idea or doctrine that doesn't make sense with the rest of scripture. Mm -hmm. um, so we have one last point before we finish up. Is there, is there anything that you want to comment on or say about hermeneutics before um, we go on? I mean, not necessarily because that was just some brass tacks right there, <laughs> some good facts. But I mean, even whatever like, means. you know, whatever that really means, but it makes sense. But as everything that you shared with that, I mean, to me, like, yes, some of it you have to gain knowledge to understand the word, but a lot of it's like, dude, common sense. Like, stop making <laughs> scripture weird. Like, so many people get like the, like, you read something, it's like, how did you get that weird belief system out of reading, if God is for us, who could be against us? I don't know. Like, oh, God's against us, secret. Like, make this whole weird, like, thing. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. Like, just stop being weird. It's sometimes it's just common sense. Like, just read the really whole good. thing. Really good. That should be the ninth law of hermeneutics, the rule of not being weird. Yeah, just don't be <laughs> weird. Like, And if you hear some weird stuff, and sometimes you know you hear something from someone you think is kind of like, oh, well, they, they know the Bible, they went to Bible college or something, <laughs> whatever, whatever standards you think that they should have, and maybe they have it, and then they're talking about the Bible. It's like, well, that sounds weird, but they are this, this, and that. Yeah. That sounds weird, but I don't know, just kind of like, you know, really pray about it. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't mean be suspicious and be judgmental. You know, there's a difference between that and kind of feeling like it's obviously weird, you know? Yeah. Like, and so don't just go with the flow just because you think that they're, you know, high and mighty, if that makes sense. I'm not trying to be a hater. But what I'm saying is just be careful, yeah. you know? Wolves and are use, in sheep's clothing. Yeah, <laughs> and just use a little bit of common sense. If it sounds weird, it might be weird. Look into it a little bit, but don't just go with whatever you hear or whatever you think sometimes, you know? Like, you might read it and be like, does this mean this or this? Instead of just, you know, like, okay, I guess it just means this. Well, maybe look into it a little bit yeah. more so you understand the scripture for what it really is. Because sometimes even for me, like, you know, we've read the Bible, um, you know, a couple times throughout our Christian faith. But there's still times where I'm like, oh, I, now I get that. Or times where I'm like, I don't really get that. Like, I don't understand. And I try to understand it instead of just, like, making my own theory about it, you know? And yeah. so, anyways, that's, I guess that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, and that's powerful, too. I feel like the best response I've ever given to someone bringing, like, a really wild and out, like, doctrine. And they haven't even read the whole Bible <laughs> before, but they... They got one portion and developed a belief system that, mm -hmm. and when they told me it, it sounded really weird. The best response I gave was, dang, that's crazy. <laughs> and I was not, I was not exaggerating or anything. I literally meant that's crazy. Like that is literally crazy and not right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe that should be your response to, to certain things, you yeah, know, like, that's crazy. if it sounds crazy, it might be crazy. Yeah. And, and a lot of prophecy books just for fun. A lot of prophecy books, when you try to uh, apply a prophecy about the future before that future happens, it sounds really weird. Mm -hmm. uh, every time prophecy uh, is interpreted prematurely, you have a much different belief or result than what was actually intended. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus, they thought that Jesus was bringing an actual kingdom to earth. 
um, like that he was going to develop a governmental kingdom and Jesus was talking about an eternal one. Yeah. Um, and so again, like, especially with the end times, I feel like a lot of end time stuff now I'm like, dang, that makes a lot more sense than like 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, this is much more applicable than, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. The final one guys, are y'all ready for this? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You ready? Mm-hmm. You feel good? Yeah. You look so good. Oh, thank you, babe. Stop it. <laughs> the sexiest pregnant woman I've ever met. <laughs> I'm really trying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Finally, the backbone to your faith in Scripture must be strong and solid. The backbone of your faith in Scripture must be strong and solid. That's mm-hmm. what I do with joy. Yeah, so um, cute. 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17. All Scripture. Someone say all. I went old school there. Yeah. I, I miss never, church. You yeah, know, I miss church. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Um, this, is a, this verse is really great. Um, you must be unwaveringly... Uh, you must believe unwaveringly that all scripture is inspired by God, is prophetic and useful for yesterday, today, and the future. Mm-hmm. It, this, this is a must. And when all this other practical stuff, it, I really, I wasn't even going to talk about all of it, but I knew that people wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I just saw Edward Paul. Yeah. Thank you, man. I yeah. love you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's so, people people get so stuck in the weeds about like oh, like understanding the all of the different things about scripture without looking at scripture itself and at the end of the day you have to have your faith in scripture unwaveringly i once i remember when i was an early christian i found out later that i was reading the bible more than the youth leaders around me oh. but our early christian i heard one guy you know kind of like trying to witness to a a, a non-believer and the non-believer said, well, it's just so hard for me to believe the Bible because it has so many contradictions. And I heard this Christian leader say, well, yeah, that's true. And I was like, what the freak? Like, <laughs> I had never found a contradiction in Scripture that wasn't answered. Yeah. Never. And, and people have brought me a lot of uh, accusations and thoughts. And every time I share it, they're like, oh, I never thought about it like that. And... And at the end of the day, you have to have faith that if you don't understand something, it's because you need to find understanding for it. Mm-hmm. it there's certain scriptures that have taken me years for it to finally click. Years of me praying about it. Every time I read through it, I'm like, man, what does that mean? And and it, it's like there's some that's just right away, but there's some stories that's like, man, what was that about? Like, I don't understand why this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea that you, when you don't understand something, for you to accuse the Bible of being wrong instead of looking at your, just like not having understanding for it is yeah. foolish. Yeah. You have to have faith bigger than your, your own comprehension. Um, and so starting off, you have to believe that all scripture is inspired. All scripture is inspired by God. And what, what this is, what this is believing is that God is sovereign, God is sovereign, and He wanted people to grasp these word of th- uh, these words in Scripture as His own by faith in our hearts, rather than commands from the mind. Mm. He, He, God, if He wanted to, He could just speak to us, right? He could just tell us and reveal Himself. Why all this waiting for Jesus to return? Why all this like commotion? Why not just talk to us like gar- the Garden of Eden? 
uh, where Jesus walked with Adam. Because sin is in the way and he's trying to purify our hearts through faith and bring us back to himself instead of just making us these mindless robots that have no choice. Mm -hmm. And so it takes faith to grasp that God has inspired this scripture. And yet, and even with that, the script, it's, there's so much just real raw evidence that we won't get into today that shows how divinely inspired it is. But you really must have 100% trust in all of scripture, not just some of it, because logically your belief must be all or nothing. Yeah. Logically. Not even like enough of this like let's just sound pretty kind of stuff. Yeah. Like just logically, if you can believe that Jesus rose from the dead – but you can't believe God created the earth. Like, don't you see how that's like kind of ridiculous? If Well, I don't believe in the great flood, but I do believe that a, God made someone that was completely dead rise from the dead three days later. Yeah. What is more crazy? The natural disasters seem a lot more believable mm-hmm. than a person being completely dead. Not like, oh, he was like unconscious, like he was dead and then he was brought back to life. Yeah. Uh, like, y'all get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so you, you have to really believe all of it, Old Testament, every part of the Old Testament, even when it says that the sun stood still. I don't know how God did it, but he made it stand still. Yeah. It, to All the way to Jesus' resurrection, all the way to the Paul's, uh, John's vision of revelation. And if you, don't, if, you, if you choose not to believe one scripture, then you might as well throw out it all. Yeah. Because it just, the same, inspired, the same God inspired the text in Genesis that inspired it later on. Mm-hmm. Um, all scripture is prophetic. What this means is that scripture is alive and powerful, meaning that the same scripture can apply to a, a point in the past, present, and the future all at once. Mm-hmm. It can apply to somebody thousands of years ago, and it can apply to me today. That's a prophetic verse, and that we have to understand and have faith that that verse is prophetic. And then finally, all scripture is useful. This is the most important one, I feel like, sometimes. It's the the idea that scripture is just as practical and useful for people today as it was thousands of years ago. And it can be used to help direct in every kind of situation. I strongly believe that scripture can give direction in every single situation that we go through. There's times where we have to really dive deep, but every situation I believe that scripture is useful. And as it just as useful today as it was thousands of years ago. And it keeps us, uh, this really keeps us from believing lies of following false ideas and teachings. And it teaches us what is just, fair, morally good, and simply what the right thing to do is. The idea that it's useful today, the, the, the argument that, well, it's so outdated, you know, we're in modern times. All this stuff about pedophilia that's coming out, child sacrifices, these, these yeah. world leaders just okay. um, like literally being in satanic cults. That stuff is everything that was described in the world in Bible days. People worshiping pagan gods and making child sacrifices. It was that kind of – everyone is all angry and enraged by ped, the pedophilia movement right now, right? It, there's been moments where I see I could really understand a great flood if the whole world was like this. Mm-hmm. Well, not, nothing has actually changed. It's just as applicable. Instagram, we'll be right back. We're sorry we took longer. Um, and so – uh, as we get Instagram back right now, um, we're we're getting back right now. But I want y'all to just look at how Lauren. No, is. please don't. <laughs> Lauren's so pretty. Uh, um, checking connection. Okay. Hey Instagram, welcome back, all you cool cats and kittens. Um, and so the idea that 
people are enraged. Hashtag save the children all the way. Mm-hmm. But when we see that, we're all like taken back. Like it feels like a movie that we're all in and seeing this, this like just wickedness run rampant in our world. And it was right in front of us this whole time. People being killed for, for trying to fight justice. I mean, that, that is happening now and is way more than we thought. Children being taken and killed and used and abused. I mean, doesn't it make a lot more sense now when, if we were to see the whole world filled with that kind of evil, doesn't it make a lot more sense to see the great flood mm-hmm. of, why, of a moment where God said, I'm sorry that I made these people. When he saw them laying children at the, the statue of Baal, that was uh, the statue of Moloch, where they would heat up the statue red hot and then lay a living baby on its, the statue's metal arms until it screamed and died as a sacrifice. I mean, is that not just horrifying to think? And that was commonly practiced and done. It wouldn't, I, I would, you know, I really resonate with this idea that God is sorry that he made humans at that point. Mm-hmm. But his mercy so incredibly great that he still gives grace and, and causes cause us to live and, and repopulate into where we are now. And we see Jesus coming again. I've never wanted Jesus to come back more than now. Yeah, um, especially to reign justice on evil. I, I've never had such a hatred for, for evil yeah. stir up when I, when I see all this stuff about pedophilia, all this stuff about children being, being trafficked and raped. And it's just, it, it makes you sick. Yeah. And to know that that is... That is something going on today. Well, before it was like, well, we're in modern times. Well, when you look at stuff today, it seems even worse than things back in the day. Yeah. And we, we have to understand that scripture says that nothing is new under the sun. That everything has already, that has happened has, has always happened and will continue to happen. So nothing has changed, which makes scripture, the scripture is alive, meaning is applicable then and it's applicable now. And to... For if to believe or say that it's not applicable at any point today, it's just foolish and ignorant. And so, with that being said, uh, I want us to close out. And I, I, we talked about a lot of stuff. We, we're really focusing on trying to understand scripture. But what I'm ending on is this idea that there is wickedness in the world, evil in the world. And I really believe that. The church has been so focused on stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Church has been focused more about dancing at a quinceanera than it has been about um, sex trafficking. Yeah. It, it, it's truly disturbing to me that the church is more concerned about the specs in their fellow Christian person than they are about the huge logs within injustice and just evil. Mm-hmm. And we need to really rise up as a church and, and stop worrying about petty stuff. And start getting into just a strong belief. Y'all dig what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and maybe you're listening to this and maybe, you've, maybe you haven't really had a point where you started your faith. I, I really believe that when it comes to a Christian walk, that it requires us to have a moment where we decide that we're going to do this. Yeah. And it can't, I just really don't mix well with the idea that, well, I've just always been a Christian. I feel like that's more so like I've always followed this tradition. Mm. Uh, I really believe there should be a moment in time that every person should have where you say to yourself, Jesus, you, this is, from this moment forward, I believe what you say in your word. I believe that you died for my sins mm-hmm. and that my sins 
are no less than any other evil person out there. That my sins are what put you on the cross and you paid my debt. Mm -hmm. And I believe that when you rose from the dead, you proved yourself the son of God. That you proved yourself my debt has been paid. And if you're ready to make that decision today, I want you to pray with us. The Bible says in Romans that all you need to do is start by having a conversation. First, believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth. And it said, uh, so pray with me. Say, Jesus, I believe what you said, that you said you are the Son of God. You are who you said you are. I confess my sins to you. I want to live a repented lifestyle. I want to live a life where I turn away from evil, not to it. And I want to find out what it means to have a real authentic relationship with you. I want to understand your scripture and your word. And I truly just want to understand your heart, God. Be the Lord of my life and the Savior to my soul. And help this to be a moment that I remember. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that with us today, I'm really happy for you. We want you to be connected to Gravetop. The reason our church is named Gravetop is because we believe that God didn't just die on the cross and raised from the dead to make us into better people. We truly believe that we were dead and now we are alive in Christ. And if you are ready to walk out this journey, you just you made that decision today, we want to walk with you. We're alive too and we want to experience the abundant life of Christianity with you. And so please, would you message us, uh, uh, just message us and let us know that you made a decision that you want to get connected and we'd love to just meet up for even just meet up for coffee or maybe uh, meet up for a zoom uh, zoom call and just get to know one another and hear your story um with with that being said lauren uh is there anything else that i i didn't even give you the final the mm -hmm. final word on the the talk you today you said it all you said it all <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to add or um, comment? I mean, on? no. I just really liked just today's message, just talking about the brass tacks of the Bible. <laughs> um, so joke for today, but but honestly, just you know, even your last point, just you know, knowing and like we've said already before, like if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Mm. Uh, I probably said Put it wrong. Put that on a coffee mug. That's yeah. another coffee mug. <laughs> but like even with the word, like having that strong foundation, so. When these random things come, you know, random think people come to you and say this or that or these random books or random articles or I don't know. My point is, is you have to be strong in what you believe and not waver because trust me, there will be many opportunities to waver in your faith if you're not, if it's not your backbone. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think I butchered what I'm trying to say, but you get what I'm saying. It's so important to stand and believe because people will come, things will come that will try to make you waver in your faith but if you know what you believe and why you believe it like we say um here at grave top know what you believe top. and why then you can stand firm when those winds and waves come and these you know these different voices of lies you know yeah. so it's just so important and i really like um i just really like today's topic um yeah. the bible rocks and so yeah. <laughs> Well, I like you. Oh, well, I like you too. <laughs> um, well, with that being said, we are so grateful for you guys being a part of Gravetop family, and we want to let you know that um, if you want to, uh, if you want to donate to Gravetop, you truly help us to to give these messages. You truly help us to connect with people. We, it, even though we love doing our online service, we love making these videos, we love preparing these messages, and our heart is truly for you to be edified and for you to learn how to grow your faith, not dependent on us, yeah. even though we love connecting. Yeah. And you help us to, your donations and your offerings, your tithes, you help us to be able to do that, but you help us to even do so much more. There, there, you help us to make those personal connections to where 
where me and Lauren can meet somebody that is just starting out and we're able to go and, and meet them and talk with them and hear their story and pray with them and be that person to connect with them when uh, even in the times when there's they don't have anyone else to connect with yeah. it, you're able to help us to do so much even uh, even just how Gravetop we're we're partnered with the you you help us to partner with the the juvenile system to where uh, even me, I get to go and, and mentor and meet with kids that are on probation that are trying to, you know, have a, a new changed life after having an experience. And it's because of your donations, you allow us to be able to make those kinds of impact in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are so grateful for those of you who are already giving. And if you want to do that today, maybe you want to make the decision to where you may grave top your home church and you want to start tithing. Um, or maybe you're just like really feel compelled today and you just want to give a one-time gift. Uh, we, we are so grateful and we want you to know that it does make a difference. Um, and you can do that by going to gravetop.com, click the give tab, and you can give now just straight from giving online there. You could also give through third-party apps like Cash App or Venmo, and it even tells you how you can even text to give or mail in your gift. Um, but with that being said, we always make it clear that we don't want people to give out of pressure or persuasion, but really out of a compelling of your heart, what God is ministering to you. Um, but um, with all that being said, we're so grateful for you guys. You help. You really cause Gravetop to happen. Um, you help fulfill the vision that God has given Gravetop, and we're so grateful for you. Um, that being said, we love y'all so much. We hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Get a fresh start on the Monday, uh, the Monday, Monday blues, vibes. right? The oh. Monday blues. Um, put on some, put on some blues music tomorrow. Some jazz. Start the mornings. Just own it. You yeah, know, just own it. Just uh, get in there. Another day, uh, another dollar. Yeah. <laughs> Or, or another not. day, another quarantine. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, but with that being said, uh, we love you guys so much. We, we really value uh, our relationships with y'all. Um, we hope y'all have a great rest of your evening. Bye. Good night. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.